0: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Greetings of peace, beloved ones all around the world. I pray everyone is well. Alhamdulillah, we have a blessed, blessed conversation episode for you today with Dr. Nicholas Boylston, who is a dear friend of mine. He is a specialist in Persian literature, Persian Sufi poetry, and Islamic philosophy. He studied at Harvard as well as georgetown georgetown not george washington he studied at georgetown where he did his phd his undergrad at harvard he also studied at the iranian institute of philosophy in tehran where he has focused his research on sufi poetry and sufi thought and Anyone who knows me knows my deep love of Sufi poetry, of course, and particularly within the Persian Sufi tradition. He's a friend of mine, and we've had the honor of uh, having many, many conversations. And I'm always um, grateful, deeply grateful, to be able to reflect with him and to join him in conversation. So I'm really excited to share this with you. For anybody who likes this conversation and would like to learn more Dr. Boyson is teaching a class on the Masnavi at Wasat. And um, this is going on weekly, line by line through the Masnavi. And it's been really, really beautiful. It began January of this year and more or less following the school years as far as quarters, uh, it will continue. But you can drop in any time, any month. If you're interested in joining that, you can go to wearewasa.org. Other than that, I just wanted to send love and light to everybody who is a listener to this podcast, a supporter of this podcast. Alhamdulillah, I beg your forgiveness. We've been much less consistent with the podcast than I was in previous years. And that really, there's no excuse really, but I've just been so busy with other projects uh, and particularly with WASAT, being the executive director of this organization here in Seattle, has been more than a full-time job, as well as doing our classes with Rumi Center and many of our other programs. So I hope you will forgive me and keep us in your dua and keep supporting. For those that are supporting on Patreon, we are greatly thank you. Uh, we are great, greatly uh, uh, grateful for your support. And inshallah, the episodes will continue with increased frequency. Again, thank you to everybody from around the world who either reached out to me or when I came to your city, uh, mentioned that they love the podcast because you are the ones that inspire me to keep it going with more frequency. Alhamdulillah. The last thing I want to say for those who would like to join us in Turkey this September, Rumi Center will be doing a retreat in Turkey, uh, in Konya, that will coincide with the mystic music festival in Konya. And inshallah, it will be a beautiful opportunity to visit the sacred sites, to visit the shrine of Mawlana Rumi and Shams and all of the sacred sites of uh, Konya, as well as in Istanbul, and to uh, take part in the Sama, or at least to witness the Sema with traditional dervishes and uh, to study the poetry of Rumi every day, as well as listening and observing um, many gatherings of remembrance and sacred music. So for those that are interested, please visit rumicenter.love. The dates are September 21st through the 30th, if I'm not mistaken, and you can find more details on the website. Uh, Please do register and we would love to have you as our guests on that trip. And with that, we give you Dr. Nicholas Boylston. and <laughs> Alhamdulillah, so um we are conversing and every time we meet we're conversing it seems in a blessed way on the great uh, Persian poets, the great masters and I know this is a field that you have have devoted yourself to and um, spent time in Iran a place where I think it's hard for us as Americans to imagine how alive poetry still is in the daily life of the people, right? Um, So, you know, maybe you could speak a little bit about your experience there and how poetry is infused into the life, but uh, I want to hear, I want to get into uh, Hafiz, who is, of course, the chief amongst them as far as, I'm sure, if you ask the the average Persian. Um, So, yeah.
1: Thanks so much. It's it's really a pleasure to discuss these things, and uh, it was it was remarkable in Iran. Iran is a place that we really don't get a window into it from outside. the The depth of the culture, the richness of the culture, the multifacetedness of the culture in all these different dimensions. The it's the place where the Islamic philosophical tradition is is the most living and um, it's, they're studying western philosophy and putting it dialogue with islamic philosophy you have the whole pre-islamic persian culture transmitted through ferdowsi's book of kings which is alive mm. and people talk about all the time you have saadi the the persian literature whose whose adab or, or kind of etiquette ethics and literature really informs um, so much of the interactions and then you have the the depth of the persian sufi poetry um the the massive legacy of this tradition and it's everywhere it's Mm -hmm. everywhere in iran Mm -hmm. it's steeped in the the classical music is steeped with this poetry everybody studies at school i've had conversations about rumi with taxi drivers there and Hafez is really um he's the pinnacle of the art He, he really every in nearly everyone's estimation everyone will debate about um their favorite poet is, but in terms of the art form of poetry, and particularly the ghazal or the love lyric, it's Hafez that really really stands on the top.
0: Right. And he comes he comes later, he's one of these later uh, figures, right? So um, and he's Shirazi, and, all, and in a, I don't know if it's, if it can be compared, but like I, it also makes me think of Mullah Sadra, also coming at the kind of the end of the the however you want to call it classical traditional period of philosophy. So he's incorporating everything within that. So there's that beautiful like reference. I mean I think that's what's something that's amazing that's lost for for many English speakers who are reading Rumi is it's really of, as it would be it's self-referential so Rumi's referencing a lot of Atar and a lot of Sanai and a lot of what comes before it so I would imagine that you know Hafez is just kind of assuming that his the,
1: those who are listening to him are familiar with this whole tradition exactly so Hafez he's coming in the 14th century so he has a lot of history behind him and it's really important to note so he's he's uh, writing a style of ghazal or love lyric um, Called the Iraqi style mm. So we think of Iraq As a different country But they, 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 the area of Farce The Farce province Where Shiraz is Was also called Iraqi ajam mm. So in that Southern area of Iran This style had developed In the century before Hafez And we contrast it With the Khorasani style The Khurasani style Which is obviously uh, Northeastern Iran And Afghanistan So that's The Khorasani style Is earlier it's people like bayezid Bastami in Khurasani Sufism, um, but in literary terms, it's it's Rumi himself, it's Attar, um, and in this um, poetic style, the meaning is is really present. It's clear what they're talking about, um, and there's a unity to the poem. Mm. So every every qazal, every love lyric in the Khurasani style will usually have a have a continuous theme. Now, the Iraqi style, the way it's different is, is every line stands on its own. Mm. So, they use the image um, of stringing pearls. The pearls are unique and perfect in themselves. But um, when you string them together in a certain way, they reflect on each other in, in beautiful ways. So, that Iraqi style means it gives them a lot of freedom to integrate so much of the previous tradition. So, Hafez, he's steeped in um, Attar. He's steeped in uh, Fakhreddin Iraqi mm. he's, he's reading, he knows the classical Arab poetic tradition He knows Mutanabbi and all these mm. classical poets um, He knows Ibn al-Farid So he knows the Arabic Sufi poetic tradition as well And so through these these different pearls strung together He's referring to so many different aspects of the tradition at the same time um, The philosophy of love of Ahmed Ghazali for example yeah. Um, the the kind of seize the moment attitude of khayyam, mm. that's all in ha- Hafez and he's bringing it together but of course it's poetry, he doesn't tell you where he's getting it from so he he's expecting this deep knowledge of the literary tradition the Quran uh, he's called Hafez because he'd memorized the entire Quran in all mm. 14 recensions mm. and he says that's where all this poetry came from um, and um, he's expecting knowledge of metaphysics.
0: Mm. So I know that like in Iran uh, as you mentioned before that people will go to his works and just flip open the page to find guidance for any specific thing in their life just as you know to to use that as an example of how kind of central he is and the average person has memorized a great deal of lines of his, and you know, just like the the common wisdom that we we might you might say, almost like uh, aphorisms and things of this nature. Um, and of course, our our friend Leonard Lewison, may he rest in perfect peace. He is someone I talked to. I actually had him on the podcast, and he spoke a bit about Haffes and he wrote. He uh, had a kind of collection of essays about Hafiz, and in that, he really points out that Hafez was really radically um, critiquing or pointing out anything that was other than purely for the sake of Allah. So he kind of takes aim at everyone. Right, people he's might right. say, "Oh no, Hafez is a Sufi," but and I'm not saying he's not, but he's also taken jabs at the Sufis that's too. Absolutely he's, right. he's, so that's absolutely right. So maybe you could speak about oh, that man. in his
1: work. That's that's exactly right. For Hafez, the the biggest, the greatest sin is hypocrisy. Mm. So for Hafez to to manifest oneself as being pious, religious, even Sufi, and not having the substance, that's that's the worst sin. Mm-hmm. So usually, the Sufi when he uses the term Sufi. It means the aesthetic It means someone who's wearing the Sufi robes And playing a social role as a Sufi um, In order to Perhaps Sometimes it's positive He doesn't completely say that's not a possibility But many times that's just, that's just a show Now the thing is that doesn't mean Hafez wasn't a Sufi He's criticising the social manifestation of it So if we understand Sufism To be the actualization of That reality To be Ihsan to be the realization of the the inner nature of the Qur'an, to be following the the quintessential sun of the virtues, and to be the transformation of being, then we can't deny that Hafez is, of course, a Sufi himself, even though he doesn't like the labels. He's not a fan of labels. And um, he sees their danger in in kind of uh, leading people astray because they think they they have the reality when all they have is the name and the label and the Mm. cloak. And
0: I think that speaks to... To a lot of us, you know, modern or even postmodern people, right? Because, um, and it's but it is it is important to think about a society where, you know, there is a strong uh, public display of religiosity. There's the Fuqaha, but then there's the 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 tur- Turuk. There's the Sufi orders, and the, you know. Again, like even, you know, this turban means you're part of this order mm-hmm. and this robe means you're part of this. You know, there can be something, and we all know that it's very easy to, to change your clothes. It's very difficult to change your heart. So, right. of course, the nafs, the ego self can sometimes, uh, in the name of being transformed and actually being illuminated, and purified, actually fortify itself. And strengthen itself exactly. with the religious garb. I think uh Trungpa Trumpo called it spiritual materialism. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. which is a very real thing. And so it's actually I mean I think Hafiz is maybe uh you know one of the strongest lights in this, but it's a very it's within the Sufi tradition from the very beginning, this deep critique. Exactly. And in a certain sense this is one of the most beautiful things about a kind of a tradition that has, you know, has centuries, is that there's almost like the nefs is, is, is wily, the nefs is difficult to deal with and but there's these kind of like checks and balances, these barriers, there's these ways to point out the pitfalls of the path and I think in him you have to kind of read his poetry within that context he's like pointing out any of that false religion or that kind of ego claiming spiritual
1: accomplishment or insight or Exactly. That's exactly right And and to be honest it's n- As you're saying It's not limited to Hafez In yeah. fact the whole Tradition of Persian literature This this has become part of the substance of it mm. So the first collection of Ghazals we have Is by um, Sana'i of Ghazna Who died in 1131 So um, He was writing for the Ulama He was writing praise poetry for the Hanafi Ulama And he was critiquing the Ulama mm. At the same time He was critiquing people who Who um, used the trappings of religion in order to gain prestige and power and precisely hadn't gone through this process of spiritual transformation. And he was critiquing those who use religious identity to divide people instead of to transform people and improve people. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. it's rooted in, in the tradition. And Hafez is really an extension of that. But you're right that he brings it to um, its most eloquent and most pointed uh, peak, I would say. So, and I know we we're talking off mic about this.
0: I think one of the, the words, you know, Letter Lewison wrote about the, the rend, right? So, and there's, you were mentioning, there's different translation, the rogue, the scoundrel, even the gangster might be a potential, right? And, and so in common terms, and as it was used in Hafiz's day, it's kind of to signify those members of society that are... You know, maybe even, I think, Leonard Lewis, the mafioso type, something like this, right? But then he, is kind of flips that and celebrates. Exactly. the rend. So maybe you could speak a bit about that.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a challenging subject to inv- envision exactly uh, the context this is coming out of. But the Rend, in Hafez, the Rend is the person who's completely himself. The Rend is someone who's completely Sincere and authentic And it's the same outwardly and inwardly But it has a very counterculture aspect to it So you can imagine people Who um, Don't fully conform to The expectations of society And are often on the margins of society And often shunned by by The people who have a fixed sense Of of kind of piety And, and social morals and things like that So the rend is someone who stands Outside of that But is completely true themselves and it fe- it feeds into a whole symbolic world really where we have the idea of the kharabat, the ruins on the outside the skirts of the city where all the all the bad stuff happens the, they, they're kind of a mix of like a casino and a, a tavern mm-hmm. and a brothel <laughs> that's the kharabat. but that's where the rents hang out so it feeds into this symbolic logic really of really the overturning of false pretense and the realization of the truth as is, wherever that you can see the light of God, um, the light of the truth, wherever you look, even in the place that seems the the least likely. I
0: love this. And I think, especially in a, in a highly, uh, again, pre-modern culture that's infused with religion and infused with a specific morality and even like legal code of ethics. But again, as we all know, that can become, again, a way that the ego asserts its superiority over others. I do this, I refrain from mm-hmm. this. I you know. And this beautiful tradition with within, within Sufie, Sufism of the malamity, right? the malamity right. this exactly. path of blame, where you know and I know there's a wide range of manifestations of this, um, but you know it, it could be as simple as like, wearing clothing that is not seen as, you know, the clothing of the ulamar, going outside with your head uncovered, as opposed to the turban, or even shaving off your beard, or, you know, these things which were socially seen as, all the way to, you know, even practices which were clearly in transgression of the sacred law, and things of that nature. Or, you know, there's even very common stories about, you know, Sufi sheikhs who would, who would give the, they're more affluent students, or students who came from a high social class. Make them beg, or make them do things which mm-hmm. were, which were embarrassing for someone from a high social mm-hmm. standing. And I think this this kind of subculture within mm-hmm. the Islamic or within the Sufi tradition. Um, it seems like you're kind of getting at saying that half is really emphasizing. I think it's really important, and I think it's not a topic that I hear as much about anymore. But I think there is this real profound, almost like psychological insight that, right. again, if we say, if we understand that the the greatest veil between you and the divine presence is yourself seeing, exactly. I your your Anna, then. Those things which humble you, which make you feel embarrassed or which makes people look at you with the eye of not esteem but disdain, that will purify your intention. No, this is really only for Allah and even if everyone in the universe sees me as a lowly thing, then who cares? (laughs) Exactly.
1: And and the key here is it's really about um, the supremacy of the spirit over the letter. Mm. So that's the key here. It's not um just randomly breaking rules. <laughs> yeah, it's the idea that um as in the story of Khidr in, in the Quran and Surah al-Kaf there's a place which the perhaps the loftiest individuals can, can reach in which something deeper happens that's a mystery and we don't understand. So it's not the idea is that um Hafez is a, it's about helping you um it's about a mode of transformation it's not about simply breaking rules yes and so the really fascinating thing here is it's it's not a rule book to go out and you know um wear your hat sideways because that's what the kalandos do or something like that that would be the same thing he's criticizing if you simply take someone else's instructions to go and break rules that's um Mm. it's worse than following the rules because it will also (laughs) destroy the spirit but what it's it's doing is it's um, precisely this breaking down of the ego. And the, pr- the breaking down of fixed um, kind of dogmatic approaches to reality. And the beautiful thing is the way he does this through literature. Again, those strung pearls, what that does is every line gives you a different perspective. Mm. So you think you had it with one line, you understand that. And then suddenly he shifts on you and shows you another piece of the puzzle so the literature again we shouldn't turn Hafiz into dogma either he doesn't want us to do that mm. but it's a way of um, you know what Ibn Arabi might say like untying the knots of belief to get to a vision of reality as such which is you know the renders it's uh, sincerity it's, it's purity it's as, as you say being in the presence um, mm. entirely without, without the ego limiting it
0: so it's almost like an apophatic kind of affirmation and denial of your own affirmation. And so, so you're not creating idols of a form or even a construct or an idea.
1: You're, you're letting go of all of that. It's, yeah, it's a process of tying and retying those knots. Because if we, if we have no knots in language, we can't even speak. If there's no delimitation we can't speak, there's no world to live in. So it's a movement between apophatic and cataphatic or mm. untying the knots and then tying new knots and then, um, but to, to lead to this process of transformation. And it fundamentally, as, as you said, it's fundamentally about the nature of the self. It's a, That's in a sense what Hafiz is dealing with. He's, he's facing you with your own self. Everybody who reads Hafiz sees a different picture because they're, you have to bring your own self in there, and then he's showing you something deeper about your own self. Um, That's maybe something you could speak about because I know that with Hafez,
0: especially, all kind of segments of uh, Iranian society, from the right kind of secularists who don't want anything to do with religion outwardly, to the the mullahs and those who are, you know, really the the bastions of, of of of, you know, scholarship and the you know. So I wonder if you might speak about that because you're kind of alluding to the fact that everyone is almost like it's a mirror. Everyone sees back what
1: they bring to it. That's that's exactly right. It's it's a mirror. It has such complexity to it mm-hmm. that it can never be reduced to one single perspective. So it's legitimate for everybody to read it from their heart, from their, the state they find themselves, to approach the poem, uh, a particular poem, and learn something new and see a kind of new vision. And it lends itself to that. It precisely lends itself to be reading, being read by all types of people with all types of perspective who share this language and this cultural mm-hmm. heritage. Um, and. I think Hafiz is fine with that. He wants everyone to be themselves. He wants everyone to be themselves, but the, the containers are different. Mm-hmm. So somebody who reads Hafez think simply think he's talking about regular wine, they're going to understand only one level of the right. meaning, where there's many, many other levels that, that the metaphysics really unlocks. Right. Um,
0: well, and I think, you know, the whole tradition, this is not some like uh, marginal thing, obviously, that the whole tradition of, of Sufism, and in particular Sufi poetry, really central is actually a a kind of, you know, almost a a subversive uh, dimension. I mean, because again, you're talking about a, a, you know, Islamic culture and like one of the most thing everybody knows, like Islam 101, alcohol is impermissible. And this is like the central metaphor in from Arabic or Persian, Ibn al-Farid or any language, any Islamic language, you know, as it were. And, and then also, we also know that there are norms around gender interactions within the Islamic world and yet uh, the kind of other very primary images is, is the kind of erotic mm-hmm. love, the beloved, mm-hmm. the veil, the mm-hmm. descriptions of the beloved and again, all of these, you know, having these concrete, very physical, sensual image, but also really profound metaphysical sim- symbolism so I think there's something really, and I also think I mean I could you may have insights into this. I'm sure you've thought about this, but I think this has to do also with one of the reasons it's become very popular with certain segments in the Western world—the kind of subversive, the right against the quote-unquote orthodox or the quote-unquote religious authority—that appeals to something in the Western soul at this stage of western civilization
1: that's right Um, yeah there's a lot of important insights there and and the key thing here is that it's the spirit overcoming the letter Mm -hmm. or the spirit really engulfing the letter and and showing something beyond it or showing the depth of the letter so that Hafez is really opposed to a a one dimensional uh, reading of reality in order to unlock you to something higher again it's not just unlocking you to chaos or to an expression of the ego mm. it's, it's unlocking you to, to a mystery that's at the heart of everything yes. it's this unfathomable mystery of, of, of subjectivity of what it means to be conscious of what it means to be a human being and that requires a transcendence mm. so the transcendence of form is, is the function of the, the forms, that's what the Quran is really for To transform you That's what the prayers are for To to transform you To to let you go on the celestial ascent And so forth So Hafiz is part of that same project mm. Of taking on the Mi'raj You might say Through poetry um, Rather than just simply Some kind of like Social critique The social critique is there But but it's for a purpose Yes, It's for a spiritual purpose And um we can take a look at a poem if you'd like, yeah, which, love which really to. illustrates. I, and this. I think
0: uh, this is great, especially because, you know, of course, Rumi is the most popular uh, Sufi poet in the West. It's really a household name, which is pretty miraculous. And people give Coleman Barks a hard time, and we may, you know, critique any translator's translation, but at the end of the day. He was working from the original, that was a very literal, whereas the popular versions of Hafez often have nothing to do, they even have no roots in Hafez, sadly. Mm. So I don't know if you want to say anything about that, but I just bring that up mainly not to harp on that, because I'm kind of tired of that conversation, but really, primarily... As a segue to say, let's look at what Hafiz
1: actually said. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So, yeah, the the, the problem is Hafiz is just really difficult to translate. Mm. So, um, Hafiz is kind of the the horizon of the Persian literary tradition. If you start learning Persian, you can read Rumi before too long, but but it's going to take a long time before you can read and understand Hafiz. Mm. Um, so. The best thing is to dive in. Um, yeah. I've I've chosen a, a ghazal to share with you. One of my favourite ghazals. Um, it's one of those ghazals where we can find a unifying theme, or the unifying theme pops out. But it's always it's always a challenge to do this. It might not strike us at the very beginning, but this is one of those ghazals where I feel like the unifying message does present itself, and the the spiritual philosophical message is really present here so this is those one of those ones that i think opens itself to, itself up to translation really well um and it's one of you know, hundreds of ghazals so this is the tip of the iceberg but i think it will give uh give you a sense of exactly what we're talking about yes. all right so I, I wanted to i'm gonna go line by line um, and read the Persian because it has the beauty there and then I'll, I'll present a translation of done each line and then we can there's so much to discuss in every single line of this. Um, so we'll start with the first line. Salha del Mikard for years the heart sought Jamshid's cup from us. What it possessed itself, it wished to gain from a stranger. Gohari Talabamshodagkat. a pearl of the oyster, a pearl outside of the oyster being in place, it sought from those lost on the edge of the ocean. Last night i brought my problem to the majin master who was solving mysteries by the divine affirmation of his glance I saw him joyful and laughing with the cup of wine in his hand Witnessing a hundred ways within that mirror. Gavf tamin jahne jame jaham bin beto hakim Goft an ruz ke in gombadamin I said, "This world-seeing cup. When did that all-wise one bestow it upon you?" He said, "That very day, who is creating this as your dome?" Bideli dar hamah aval Khoda ba Ubud, Uu nemidi dasho az dur Khoda one who had lost his heart in every state, God was with him. He didn't see him and from afar called out, O oh God. All of his own conjuring, which he has been doing here, Samari used to do in the presence of the staff and white hand. گفت آن یار که از He said that friend by whom the gibbet's head was raised His crime was this He revealed the secrets فیز روح القدس عرباز مدد فرماید دیگران هم بکنند آنچه مسیحا the emanation of the Holy Spirit, if it sends its aid again, others will do just what the Messiah did. Goftamash as Goft Hafez as Deleshedamikat. I said to him the chains of the tresses of the idol, of the idols, what is it for? He said Hafez is complaining of an insane heart. <laughs> So I wanted to go back line by line. Um, you can see perhaps some emerging themes here, but if, but it should become clearer. At first it sounds like lots of, every line is beautiful in itself and stands alone. And perhaps they seem independent, like these strung pearls. But gradually we go a little bit deeper. This is one of those poems where that, that central theme really becomes apparent.
0: And there's very dense uh, reference to things that his audience will know that an English speaking audience
1: even a Muslim English speaking audience would not necessarily catch so yeah. That's, exa- that's exactly it this, um, in a sense uh, someone who has all that background can just simply contemplate it as a work of art Yes. but we need to sit and, and kind of go through all the references to unpack it so um, let's see what's going on here. So the first line for years the heart sought, sought jam sheets cut from us what it possessed itself it wished to gain from a, from a stranger. So Jamshid's cup, this is part of the Shahnameh, the Book of Kings, the pre-Islamic Persian legends, that the King Jamshid, he had a cup, a magic cup, in which he could see the entirety of, of the universe. He could see everything that was was happening on the earth and therefore he was able to, to rule more effectively. It went to his head, but that's another story not really relevant here. So in in Sufi literature the cup of Jamshid that cup in which everything is manifest it's a symbol of um, the cup is a symbol of the heart Mm -hmm. the heart as a as a receptive receptive organ to divine grace and then the its reflectivity is um, the possibility of gnosis or divine wisdom so this idea is kind of mind-bending if you really try and imagine it and I don't know if you're familiar with the, with the short stories of Borges. Mm. So there's a story, a beautiful story called the Aleph, in, written by Borges, where he imagines this thing called the Aleph. Um, and he's thinking of Kabbalistic Im- imagery. This thing called the Aleph, which if you see it, it shows you every point in the universe from every possible perspective. So there's this story where this man falls downstairs into someone's basement, and then he he looks up and he sees the aleph right there. So Borges is imagining the same possibility. What would it be like to see something that contains everything?
0: God's eye view, you could say. The
1: God's eye view, precisely. So the symbolism here that the heart is seeking Jamshid's cup. Right. The the all right. So Jamshid's cup symbolized the heart. We will have to talk about that. Mm-hmm. So the heart is seeking the God's eye view. The heart is is seeking divine consciousness. Mm. Yeah, Yet where else would a heart find what is the heart? (laughs) Exactly. So the problem is it's been seeking it in the wrong place. No, no. So this is the whole of human condition already in one line. I love it. Rumi
0: has a beautiful line with something to the effect of he said, he said... uh, we were all looking for the thief and the thief
1: amongst us said, yeah, where's the thief? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the, that's the beautiful thing. is um, This is really the human condition. Our fallen state is that the center of our consciousness is turned outwards. Mm. So the center of our consciousness in our fallen state is looking towards the world mm. for what it seeks. But because... It's, it's the heart because it, it was rooted in the day of Allah when it said Bala shahidna. it bore witness that, uh, to the divine reality it has an infinite thirst mm. so our inner nature has this infinite thirst so no matter how much you succeed outwardly you're always going to want more mm. um, whether that be money uh, fame super bowls <laughs> athletic success whatever it happens to be it's always going to want more because it has this divine capacity mm. but the, the key here the key, the root of the Sufi tradition is it's is, is possible to satiate that capacity mm. by turning inward the heart can become what it really is so that it's possible to, to attain that uh, gnosis, the knowledge that belongs to God but is in a sense Reflected in the mirror of the heart. Mm. So the key here, the, Hafez is a he's a genius because the heart is part of us, but in the line, it's seeking it from us. Mm. So how do we make sense of that? So one way I like to think of this is really, um, the Su- in Sufi psychology, they talk sometimes they talk about the heart as being trapped. Or stuck in between, between two possible directions mm-hmm. and the challenge with Sufi's terminology is everybody uses this, the terms differently mm-hmm. so in, in this possible scheme which will help us here you, you can have the nafs or the ego as the lower dimension the heart is in the middle and then the spirit is the higher dimension mm-hmm. so the heart has this possibility it can gravitate towards the ego or it can gravitate towards the spirit mm-hmm. and that's it the whole spiritual struggle is to turn the heart away from the ego and turn it towards the spirit. Yes. So we've been talking in in our discussions on the Masnavi about the the story of the king and the handmaiden. It's exactly the same thing. The handmaiden needs to turn away from the the ego, mm-hmm. the the goldsmith, and turn towards the spirit, which is the king. Mm-hmm. So in Hafez, the interesting thing is he is identifying now with the ego. Hafez will yes, do this yes, because yes. He, he'll often play the um the confused bewildered subject who is fakir who's who's fundamentally poor who doesn't possess who's empty um and his individuality so he's speaking from that point and imagining the heart something deeper and the heart is coming and asking him and he's he's a davish he's you know he's a rent he doesn't know what's going on it's the heart is seeking from him jamshid's cup mm. and it's just it's just seeking it in the wrong place mm. So he, he actually meets us where we are because we also generally um, identify ourselves with the ego. Mm. Whereas what we need to do is realize that the heart is, is our true identity and, and that can happen when the heart turns away from the ego and turns mm. towards the spirit. Yes. So that's the key is that the heart always possessed this. The heart always was cup. The heart has this capacity, but it's, there's a need for this awakening or recognition which is the same as that turn inward by turning inward towards the spirit the heart, our inner nature can realise what it truly is sure. so then Hafez on, in the next line he explains exactly what he's talking about so line 2 in a nice way it reflects on lines, line 1 uh, and just comments on it so he says a pearl outside of the oyster of being in place it's sought from those lost on the edge of the ocean. Mm. So the pearl, you know, this is universal symbolism, the precious pearl, you have to that gnosis, that uh, spiritual sacred knowledge. Um, And where's the pearl? Well, it's usually in the oyster, but he flips that image and makes the whole of the cosmos, the oyster. Mm. So outside of being in place, we might want to say outside of time and place. The word is is cone in, in Persian. Chiddick translates this as engendered being, but basically created being. Mm-hmm. So it's beyond the heart, its true substance is beyond creation. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hafez, you can see he's he's pushing the lines of what it's acceptable to say. The very core of our being is beyond the created order. Mm-hmm. You can so say the oyster is is kun the existence, but the, the
0: pearl, it's not actually from. From within the oyster, it's
1: from something else. It's exactly beyond. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, it's beautiful. So there's the, there's a classical imagery where um, there were stories about how oysters would be, uh, how pearls would be formed mm-hmm. in the, a certain uh, time around April. The the oysters would come up to the uh, surface of the water and open up, and a drop of rain would fall in, and then it closes up and goes down mm-hmm. to the bottom of the sea. So from the heaven. From the heaven, you get the the seed. So it's the, the seed. Um, which then goes into the sea. So the oyster, the heart is found, is it, it exists within the world. That's the, the strange thing. It's not of the world, but it is in the world. Yes. So the heart, because it's the root of our consciousness, and we live in this world, mm-hmm. it is within the world. It just doesn't belong to it. It's of a completely different substance. It's of that heavenly, divine substance. And then he extends the the image to say, look, we're, we're, I'm Hafez, I'm the, you know, as an individual self, I'm Darvish, I'm Faqir, I'm just completely, I have nothing of my own, I'm completely poor poor spiritually, I'm wandering around in bewilderment, lost on the seashore, Mm. and the heart is coming and seeking this pearl from it, even though it has it Mm. itself.
0: So the heart is, where's the pearl, where's the pearl, where's the pearl,
1: yeah. Yeah, and we're like... I don't know I'm, I'm lost on the seashore mm. and that's the beautiful image as well is mm. that the individual ego the consciousness that we possess in an everyday life when we're going about our, our business that's the edge of the ocean mm. so we're sitting it's, it's, it's on dry land in the sense that it's rooted in the world it's stuck in the world but it's next to this infinite reality mm. we just don't realize the ocean is right there mm-hmm. So there's there's many, many symbols of, of the drop returning to the ocean and entering the ocean and uh kind of annihilation. So Hafez is alluding to all of that by saying, look, our individual worldly consciousness is wandering around on the edge of the ocean, and the pearl is is uh, mm-hmm. is somewhere else. So the next line, as Hafez does, he completely seems to change the story. Um So he says, last night I brought my problem to the Magian master, who was solving mysteries by the divine affirmation of his glance. Hmm. All right, so who's the Magian master? So Hafez, um, he has this whole imagery of um, really, it's a mixed imagery of the tavern and Zoroastrianism. So those mixed together in Hafez give you a whole cast of characters. So most people read this as symbolizing uh, the Sufi Khanaka is the tavern, and the Meijian master is the Sufi Sheikh. Mm. Um, and then there's other characters like the Magian child and things like that that haven't come up here. And the wine is being served there, that's the, the gnosis and divine love that, that's being um, poured by the Magian master and so on and so forth. So there's a whole world of imagery there. He's just He, he assumes Drawing you know all that. of that, he draws on that so we can say Hafiz is going to a wise enlightened individual the peed he's a he's a master he's a, mm. he's an elder um and that master the power of his glance was solving people's problems or their enigmas or mysteries mm. so there's this idea ta'id is divine affirmation mm. so the master because he's a friend of god his glance is transformative yes the glance of the friends of God unties the knots in the soul. Mm. Um, and so, we c- it sets a scene again. We see Hafez going to this place and there's a wise individual who's dealing with many people's problems. Everyone brings this... When you have a, a spiritual problem, it seems like such an enigma. And then, with the gaze of the spiritual master, it just, it just gets solved. Mm. So, Hafez, he's got this problem. We can imagine, if we... Continue the story. We can imagine that the heart keeps asking him for this drama jam sheet and he doesn't know what to do and so he brings the problem to the Meiji and Master in order to solve it. So there's kind of a story developing here. And
0: there's, I mean, you're kind of alluding to it, but he's not the first to talk about the Meiji and Master. This is part of that poetic tradition. And exactly. again, it gets at what we talked about earlier, where we're talking about the tavern, the wine, the ruins. The Meiji and master again. You're talking about another tradition. You're talking about a great, you know. Again, there's there's a kind of they're really like subversive, exactly. Um, almost like scandalizing exactly. images, but that were understood to have these deeper spiritual meanings.
1: Exactly, it's profound. Exactly. Yeah. So the yeah. So he's someone who stands outside convention, conventional mm-hmm. norms. Is is precisely precisely the point. In a sense, you could say he's even outside conventional Sufism to the extent that that's only following forms. This is the true friend of God. Mm. The true friend of God is different from kind of the conventions. Mm. Um, So, actually, this ghazal continues the story. So he says, "I saw him joyful and laughing, with a cup of wine in his hand, witnessing a hundred ways within that mirror." Mm. Very literal translation. So he paints the picture of this majin master. He has the cup of wine in his hand, as as you said. There's this whole background here. You, um, the symbolism there. Notice the so the word for cup here is different. qadah, it's just a um, a goblet or a cup. But we can see that Hafiz is going to someone who has the cup mm. in their hand and is enjoying it. Someone who possesses the heart. Mm. So the master has found the mystery of the heart, mm. and there's a visual image as well. Um, in that he's seeing a hundred ways or a hundred manifestations within the mirror of the heart mm. so the heart being a mirror is a very universal in fact it's from the hadith um, mm-hmm. that heart some uh, the polish right? the polish of the heart is the is the zikr Allah. Mm. Um so you, we imagine visually that the Majin master has this cup of wine, and in that cup of wine, he sees that hundred thousand, hundred different things, and he's witnessing it. The word is the word "witnessing" here um, is really important. Tamasho. It's like spectating. It's like view, viewing it, contemplating it. Really. Mm, mm. So he possesses the heart, and what state is he in? He's blissful. Mm. He's joyful and laughing because he's attained that yeah. mystery. He's he's come to possess the heart. Um, and as a result of that, he can he can help Harfez out. Mm. So from here, um, really, I read the, the rest of the poem as like his conversation with the master because we get a few lines in here that seem to come out of nowhere. I imagine that this is all the master mm. kind of teaching him. Mm. So Harfez's question, what does he say to this man? He says, this world saying, seeing cup. when did the all-wise al-hakim god when when did he bestow it on you mm. and the master says that very day god was creating the as dome which is the sky the heavens so the process of creation itself the core of that creation is the human state the human heart mm. the very at the very moment god was creating all of this he was creating the human heart was present mm. and this is in, beginning, rabbi, in the beginning yeah. in the beginning this is in Am I not your Lord? In the Quran, they, they said, "Yea." So that was the heart bore witness. The heart knows divine unity. The heart knows the the essence. It is, in essence, he's saying you don't, all
0: uh, right. You know, you don't find the beloved. One, you know, one day it, it's with you all along. It's there all along. You remember, you awaken to what you always knew. Exactly. Right? It was. It was all there. It's, I didn't. You know. I didn't attain this at some point, but you know, attainment, realization is
1: realizing it was there all along. Exactly. The heart it, always was the cup of jam sheet. Right. It was just seeking that in the wrong place. It didn't. It hadn't awakened to that fact. So the the major master knows knows this. He knows the heart was always the heart, Beautiful. and he, it he, it was given to him at the very beginning of creation. From the, the Azure Dome too, the Azure Dome Gumbad You
0: uh, know, I don't want to like take us too far afield, but it, it just inspired me. I was just in Medina to right. city of the beloved, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and you know, you may know this, but many people will not. The, the the Ottomans were the one that painted the dome green. Hmm. And uh, do you know what color it was before green? No. It was blue. Really? And I had heard that, but what I learned this time, there's an amazing historian, Sudanese historian, who I was spending time with, and he told me, he said, actually, it wasn't literally blue, but it was silver. Like old-fashioned, like a mirror, a that's traditional exactly. like silverware, so it reflected the heavens. It reflected the sky, so it appeared blue. That's remarkable. And that was under the Mamluks. And talk about metaphysics, right? The mm-hmm. Prophet sallam, takes on the celestial, the heavenly quality, so he appears. Sivrat Allah died
1: in the hue of the divine oh, that's reality. Amazing. <laughs> so different. anyway, and for Hafez, because I guess perhaps colours work slightly different across cultures, but sometimes the heavens are green, like the mm-hmm. green sea of heaven. Yes, the title of the yeah. famous translation of Hafez. Um, so there's still that, that symbolism is really there, the right? The, it's the heaven on earth, mm. heaven on earth, and the green, the Seven green so so the next line here, it seems like a tangent, but again, I'm imagining the, the Magian master uh, yeah. saying. So he says, someone who had lo- lost his heart, so in every state God was with him, he didn't see him, and from afar called out, oh God. So when someone who'd lost his heart, in English the word heartless is really negative, but um, mm-hmm. literally that's what the Persian is, Bidel. mm-hmm. Bideli. Someone who'd lost his heart though is really positive. He, someone who'd fallen in love mm, with the divine reality. That's what it means. What it means. Be down means you've lost your heart. Someone has come and taken your heart. Hmm. So, uh, uh, so the beloved is called the heart taker. <laughs> 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 the lover is called the heartless. The one who no longer has his heart. Mm. So the key, we, he, we're imagining, again, it's very visual this poem. We're imagining this person who's in love with God and he's yearning after the divine. But God is always, God is always present. God is all. the Quran itself says, you know, God mm-hmm. is always with you. Mm-hmm. So somebody who's seeing God as being afar, calling out to God, he didn't know that God was always with him. Mm-hmm. So this is the Magian master is, is starting to solve Hafiz's problem, mm. starting to give a comment on on what this, mm. what this mystery of the heart seeking Jamsheet's cup, what it really is. Mm. Then the next line again. It seems to come out of nowhere, but if we imagine it as the Meijin master teaching, it still makes sense. He says all of his own conj- conjuring. We don't know who that is, but I'll give a commentary which he's been doing here. Who is it referring to? Samari used to do in the presence of the staff and the white hand. Mm-hmm. So this in the second half line, the the story is of course uh, Moses. Mm-hmm. So he has the divine uh, miracle. That he can turn the staff into a snake, mm-hmm. and he can put his hand into his uh, under his clothes, and it comes out shining white. And Samari is the name of the character who made the uh, golden calf. Mm-hmm. So the story is Gabriel was passing by on his way to Mount Sinai to uh, give said Namusa the the Torah, and then um, a few pieces of a few like. Uh, motes of dust fell from Gabriel's feet on the ground, and so Samri came and collected it and made a golden calf out of it. That from that the uh, kind of magic of that dust, it was able to breathe. So it's a, it's a kind of um, the idol is a it's a false representation of, of something divine. Hmm. It's a false image of something divine. A kind of inversion. Hmm. While Moses was getting you know meeting God himself. You got, you got the reflection of a reflection mm. of God there. Mm. So, Samari, um, basically, in this line, we've got somebody doing conjuring mm-hmm. all the time over here. And, and Hafiz is saying, look, Samari did the same thing. So, I've, in the presence of the staff and the white House. So, the way I, I like to read this, Samari is talking about the ego. The ego is creating an idol just as Samari used to do the ego is creating illusion the ego is conjuring this idea that we're this you know, limited individual with all these really particular needs and goals, goals like that and the thing is it's not just doing it anyway it's doing it in the presence of Moses so Moses and Moses' miracle represents the heart even the ego is so blatant that even in the presence of the heart it's going to make all these grandiose claims for itself about its independence um, mm. So in a sense The major master if we if we read it this way He's saying look it's not surprising That the ego keeps being the ego Even Samari when Moses was there would, would, would try to play magic tricks And things like that mm. So it gives us this amazing When we read it in, in light of the whole poem It really shows us What the ego is doing And, and shows us why we're not waking up To that state mm. of the heart why we're not seeing the burning bush.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there's so much profundity in that image too
0: with Surah taha you know, Moses, throw down your staff. And this, and the staff, you know, one of the more esoteric commentaries, the staff representing your own selfhood. Exactly. You let it go. And actually, you know, there's the serpents, and it actually turns into a serpent that swallows, but then it comes back, right? So it's in this letting go or surrendering the self, letting go of the self. And again, م- لا تخاف, Allah says to Moses, there's this, Moses is afraid of what he has to face and Pharaoh and going to this, the threatening nature of existence, but like, until Allah, you are you are above actually all of the, the illusion, in fact. And so throw down the staff and then letting go of yourself. selfhood, in fact, it turns into what it true? your selfhood because it's transformed and you see that your selfhood is beyond the illusion and in a certain sense engulfs the illusion exactly. right exactly. exactly
1: exactly and it's transformative for other people too because the magicians mm. realize the yes. other magicians realize what mm. that's why the major master he can solve other people's mm. problems no. because he he's gained the heart so he can be of service to other people mm-hmm. in gaining it mm-hmm. so it's not, it's not just realizing your own nature but it's really uh, yeah and uh, even the hand
0: right you put the hand on your heart and it comes out luminous I mean that's really mm-hmm. the meaning mm-hmm. and others can see right which is amazing right that if your heart is transformed then that light will then be manifest to others and
1: exactly. they can also become illuminated through it and then the next line, this is one of the most classic lines in the history of Persian literature. Mm. He said, so again, the major master, that friend by whom the gibbet's head was raised, his crime was this. He revealed the secrets. So... Halaj. It's Halaj. It's Halaj. <laughs> so first of all, that friend, obviously Halaj, the friend of God. And it, it says the, hip, the gibbet's head was raised. So this is... It's a, it's a double entange. On one sense, yeah, when somebody's executed, the, the you know, the, the noose, the they raise it up. But the other side, to have your head raised in Persian means to become noble. Mm-hmm. So the gibbet itself became noble by the fact of contact with Halaj. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, and what secret was it that he revealed? This is the heart of the poem. Once <laughs> once you, yeah, once you, this is, that's the thing. Halfaz is pushing us to that, that place, which of course no human being can, can utter i the truth but Hafiz is pushing us towards that realization but that's the, the, the key thing here is that Hafiz can't say that Hafez insofar as he's wandering on the seashore can't say yes. that the contents of the heart can manifest that because it, only God can say it no so
0: the mirror can't say that but what is reflected in the mirror exactly says it without saying it yeah, it's, it is what is reflected exactly
1: mm. and it's the mystery it's the mystery you know it can't be a mystery you could translate as secrets that's true but a mystery is better a mystery is something that can't be put into words
0: I really like that that you, you've you mentioned that to me before and, I, and I've since incorporated that sir usually sir. this this technical Sufi term and often again you mentioned there's many schemas right but that you have the sadr the 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 outer dimension of the 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 spiritual reality then going more inward you have the qalb you have the heart right, the spiritual heart then you have the ruh the spirit at a level deeper then often you have the sir yeah. uh, the the and then sir the secret of secrets sir sir usually it's translated as secret but your point, and I really want to like just emphasize this. because It really was pr- profound, and I've tried to incorporate that. Sir, like as the difference between secret, as I, I remember you saying, a secret is that which isn't told, right? So mm-hmm. something. But a mystery is something which can't be told. Exactly. Right? You could tell a secret, but exactly. a
1: mystery you. You actually can't communicate it It's yeah. impossible to put it into words. Yeah. And of course, it's not my point. I'm I'm uh, no, no, passing no, no. this on from people wise than uh, okay. <laughs> But that's that's the key. How, how large, in a sense, revealing the secret. In how Halaj's case, it makes sense. But the thing is, I'm the truth. You know, it doesn't actually mean anything, and it doesn't convey the meaning that's intended. Yes. In fact. Sufi utterances in general They're an occasion for realization they The concepts can't convey mm. uh, The truth Otherwise everyone who read a Sufi text Would suddenly become yes. realized Yes. Whereas they're a, they're a pointer They're fingers pointing at the moon That's no, the thing no, no. So Hafez again He takes it to the next level And uh, really these, He you know, half as sometimes makes really uh, grand claims. And he says the emanation of the Holy spirit, if it sends its aid again, others will do just what the Messiah did. Mm. So again, where does this fit into the general theme we've been, we've been heading towards, but it's the whole poem is about the, the way that infinite in reality of the inward breaks into and manifests into, into this reality that, of the lower selfhood that seem that seems worldly. So with halaj it's this break, it's the manifestation of the secret and then his an execution. With the miracles of Christ, you know, it's the descent of the Holy Spirit, so he can heal the leper, mm. cause the blind to see, raise the dead. Mm. Um, blow into clay birds, turn them into mm. into real birds. But Hafiz is saying, look, it's not because Jesus was a special person. Obviously, he's a special person. But the whole but it was the power of God. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And if God should blow into a poet, then what kind of verses is he gonna write? Mm. So he's not saying explicitly, sometimes Hafez would say like in on the Leaves of Paradise was, was written the poetry of Hafez. <laughs> but there's an implication that look, there's this this is coming from somewhere else. Mm. This isn't just Hafez's mind coming up with this stuff, this is coming from somewhere else, and there's a spiritual dimension to Hafez's poetry. Uh, which has a miraculous nature to it, mm. um, and it can heal. It can heal the sick if uh, we open our hearts to it, if their hearts need to be healed. So, Hafiz's poetry, you know, mm. has has this has this power to it. And then the final line is: "It's like a Zen koan." I said to him, "The chain of the tresses of the idols, what is it for?" He said, "Hafiz is complaining of an insane heart." So, this also leads, needs comment. So, what's a tress? Only per- people who translate Persian poetry use the word tress. But it's <laughs> a lock of hair. So, what's this about? So, first of all, the idols. The word but is from the word Buddha, probably, but, but it, oh, it came to ma- mean an idol. But then it came to mean a beautiful person. Oh, so, they're not actually thinking of idols. What this, the poetry, it's become so ingrained in the language that in Persian, when you say sanam or but, it just means a beautiful person, the beloved. Mm-hmm. So, the now the the symbolism here is that um, well, yeah, I mean you could, so it's like statuesque, right? Distress, right, yeah? right. Oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Um, so the symbolism here is that the face is manifestation, and the hair is uh, concealing. Mm-hmm. The hair is the veil which falls in front of the face, so you can't see it so in the correlative thought which we've been talking about elsewhere um, the face comes to represent everything to do with manifestation and the head comes to represent everything to do with hiding so the ch- and so what what this means in a sense is um, Ho is Hafiz is really asking the question why is there anything rather than nothing mm. <laughs> he's asking the ultimate philosophical question of course that that's the the Heideggerian version, it should be... I mean, there is the all. Why is there manifestation? Mm-hmm. Like, if given God's infinite nature, how is there room for manifestation mm-hmm. anymore? So, Hafiz is actually answering that question, why anything exists. Mm-hmm. Um, why is he doing that? Because the process of manifestation of the infinite divine reality is a process of veiling. Mm-hmm. In Sufi metaphysics, it's not God creating something new. It's God limiting that light mm-hmm. until we get to this level where there's... Not that much light. Yes. So the tresses, the, the hair of the beloved ma- uh represents that process of veiling of the divine reality. Mm. And it ch- it chains you up because it's not so easy to pass beyond those. We get stuck in that hair, we get stuck in the multiplicity. Also, hair's multiple, right? The face is one, mm-hmm. the hair is multiple. Mm-hmm. We get stuck in that multiplicity. Um and we can't see the face, we can't find the heart. Mm. We're searching for that. For the lost heart, um, mm. and so Hafiz ends this by saying, "Like, why, why the heart is this amazing mm. manifestation of the of the divine reality? Why would God put it in a place in the middle of in the chest of fallen human beings? Mm. Why would He uh, leave us in this situation where we're mm. separated from the heart? If our whole purpose, the whole purpose of creation." Um to an of the hadith um, putsi I created the creation because I love to be known. If the whole purpose of creation is that God loves to be known, why does he veil our hearts and and put us in this situation where the heart is covered in rust and by
0: extension put us through heartache and heartbreak and suffering and loneliness and isolation and going to and fro and trying to fill the cup or fill the emptiness with this or that and and you think about the drama of human existence I mean it's the angel's question in the beginning you create one who will shed blood and sow discord like I mean this is a
1: subhanAllah you know so Hafiz is asking that question Hmm. and the master responds Hafiz is complaining with inside heart (laughs) (laughs) So, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: man. So tell me about the insane heart. Why, why all right, that brothers? All right. Yeah, what's
1: that? So, the word Shayda is a beautiful, beautiful um, word. It's also a female name in Persian. It means someone who's fallen in love so much they've gone crazy. Um, That's what Shayda means um, sure someone who's fallen in love so intensely that they go mad. Um, Majdub, yani yeah, the heart is shaded, so, wow. and Hafiz is complaining about it. So, um, <laughs> so, I don't know. so what mm. exactly the the mind reaches an end at this mm. at this line? Really, it's a, it's a koan, Mm-mm. but um, it could be it could be a lot of things. It could be look, the master could be saying, "Why are you even complaining?" Mm-hmm. The crazy heart is what you want. Mm. Like the state you're in right now of this bewilderment, mm. that's exactly the point. There you go. Yeah. Um, it could be... It could be just saying half us is just talking mystery. It could be just avoiding the, to answer the question because mm-hmm. it's a mystery can not be spoken mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's really the, the last half line is really the ineffability. Of the precisely the mystery can't be spoken um, mm. the whole of the poem was Hafez complaining of a crazy heart of an insane heart dri- driven mad by love that's the whole outpouring of his poetry comes from that for Hafez I believe very like hair thin veil of separation between him and the divine reality if that, if that veil goes no he can't speak anymore because he's gone, but once the that slight veil of the tresses and the chains are there, then then this there's this outpouring of poetry. So the mystery of the separation between lover and beloved, we could say, mm. and the unity of love that that underlies them both. Um. Mm.
0: Mashallah. Yeah, I mean, this is it. And what what a what a beautiful, and really, this is. You know, <laughs> you know. I, I think about this because people associate Sufism with it's the poetry, or it's the dancing, or the whirling, or the singing, or the wearing of the, the turban, or any number of things, and or the beads, or the well, chanting, or and yes, all those are tools that are used in various orders and have, but the essence of it is uncovering the lost heart. You could say it's a psychology, but even that, it is a knowledge of the the, the self. And it Mm -hmm. is the... And so all those things that can be understood in, in, okay, chanting certain things, or certain movements, or certain fasting, or certain silence, or solitude, or halwa, yes, they can help facilitate. Mm -hmm. But what is it all about? Mm -hmm and it's you know this is also brings us back to our Malamati thing it's easy to get caught up on the the beads or the turbans or the this or the that or the the outer forms but it's the, the real work is you know finding that pearl that's right <laughs> that that's you right. are you know and uh that's a beautiful. It keeps pulling us back, and and don't don't forget that. Don't forget that. Don't get caught up. You know, every level there's another devil. Don't don't make idols of of any of it. You know, don't get distracted. Cool. Well, um, I'm sure we could continue on, but that uh, is a beautiful place to close for now, and uh, hopefully that we many times. Uh, to, to revisit. It's nice like that to actually look at a specific individual poem. So, Allah bless you. and Thank you so much. And, uh, yes, we hope that there will be many more opportunities to dive in. Um, Amen.